Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. And I've entitled the message today, Six Opportunities That Are Given to Us When We Suffer. You know, suffering is inevitable. It's going to happen to you. And uh, if you're a follower of Christ, I think that we experience a different type of suffering that those who don't follow Christ and never get to experience, but there are opportunities that come with our suffering. You know, one of the most despicable manifestations of human flesh that ever disgraced this planet was Nero Claudius Caesar. Uh, He was born in AD 37, and Nero was educated at the feet of the philosopher Seneca, whom he eventually forced to commit suicide. Nero murdered his way all the way up into the imperial throne. And he occupied that throne from A.D. 54 to A.D. 68. His life was characterized by debauchery, violence. I mean, he even caused his own mother to be killed. And a life of extravagance. In the summer of A.D. 64, Rome suffered a terrible fire that burned for six days and seven nights, consuming almost three quarters of the city. The people accused the Emperor Nero for this devastation, claiming that he set the fire to three-quarters of the city so that he could rebuild it. He also set the fire because he was amused at seeing the devastation that took place. Now, in order to to deflect these accusations and to placate the people, Nero blamed the fire on the Christians. The emperor ordered the arrest of several members of the sect of Christianity, tortured them, accused others within the Christian populace of being involved in this terrible fire as many of the religious sects of that day could be found, and they were bound up and put to death in the most horrific manner for the amusement of the citizens of Rome. The ghastly way in which the victims were put to death aroused sympathy among many Romans, although most felt their execution was justified. And that is the foundation of the Christian church. As a matter of fact, that is what the early church experienced. Church historian Andrew Miller gives a graphic account of the fiery trials that were raging when Peter wrote his epistle. This was the first legal persecution of Christians, he writes, and in some of the features that stand alone in the annals of human history, it is filled with unbelievable barbaric procedures. Inventive cruelty sought out new ways to torture and satiate the bloodthirsty Nero, the most cruel emperor that ever reigned. The gentle, peaceful, unoffending followers of the Lord Jesus Christ were tied up in skins of wild beasts. They were torn apart by dogs. Others were wrapped in a kind of dress, smeared with a wax with pitch, and others with combustible matter. Some had a stake under their chin that kept them upright, and then they put that whole matter on fire. When we think about that, it was so horrific what they did. They would use these burning Christians as lights in the public gardens. Nero lent his own gardens for these exhibitions, and he gave great entertainments for the people. He took an active part in the games himself, sometimes mingling with the crowd on foot, sometimes viewing this awful spectacle from his chariot. But as accustomed as these people were to the public executions and the gladiatorial shows, they were moved to pity by the unexampled cruelties inflicted upon the Christians. 
they began to see that they suffered, not for the public good, but to gratify the cruelty of one man. But fearful as their death was, it was soon over, and to them, no doubt, the happiest moment of their existence. Long, long before the lights were quenched in Nero's garden, the martyrs had found their home and rest above, the blooming garden of God's eternal delights. Peter, with that as a backdrop, writes these words. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are a participant in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed with His glory when it is revealed. You know, God gives His most hope in the most hurtful of times. We tend to think of suffering as something strange when it occurs. We can't help but think something is wrong when we suffer, and sometimes that's true. Pain often draws our attention to something that needs to be fixed, but not always. We are told to rejoice because of the suffering, or not to rejoice after suffering, but to rejoice in the suffering. We don't see things perfectly clear in the middle of suffering. 1 Corinthians reminds us that we're looking through a glass darkly, but one day, And this is referring up to the time when we get to heaven. One day we'll see him face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know, even as we are also known. I want you to know that joy is possible through suffering. And the joy that we have actually provides us with six great opportunities as we are facing suffering. I hope to give you about half of these points today. And I'm going to ask you to join me tomorrow as we get the second half of this list, as we look at what is the opportunities that are given to us in our times of suffering. Well, I think, first of all, we get to experience God's presence. Now look at verse number 14. It says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. In other words, there's a special presence of God on our lives, in our lives, resting upon us when we go through times of suffering. I think Paul kind of understood that when he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He writes, For we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, but we also share abundantly in the comfort that comes to us in Christ. And he goes on by saying, When we're distressed, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If you are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patience, endurance, which is the same suffering that we suffer. In other words, God's presence is resting upon you in times of suffering. And as a result of that, not only do we receive that comfort of rest, but we're also giving patience and and endurance. You see, God is working something in us when we go through times of sufferings. You know, there are times when the very presence of God is the only thing that can help us through a very difficult time. But sometimes God sends his, his choicest servants to bring us his presence. When God does that, don't reject God speaking through another Christian. Now, this is where the church and small groups and Sunday school classes, I believe, are so important. If you're listening to me today and, and you've kind of dropped out of church and just kind of drifted out of church and maybe you stopped going because of COVID, listen, go back to church. You need the encouragement of other believers and they need your encouragement. You don't want to go through suffering alone. You see, we tend to pity the one who suffers, but we are told they are the ones who are blessed. The ones who are going through difficult times have a blessing upon God. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the suffering 
in itself is a blessing, but God shows up in a special way in our times of suffering. You see, they see a side of God that those who never suffer never get to experience. And it kind of almost makes you jealous. Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Maybe I can get it even more clear as to this understanding of suffering when Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to stop right there. For righteousness' sake. There is no glory in being persecuted or suffering for unrighteousness' sake. Now, I want to make a very important point here, and I don't want you to miss this point. When I think about those who don't know Christ, one day they're going to suffer consequences for their sins. Now, I don't think it'd necessarily be here on this earth, but they will have a future separation from God. They will spend a timeless eternity in hell. Can you imagine suffering for your unrighteous sake and never being comforted? The believer, on the other hand, Jesus says, is persecuted for righteousness. We are receiving a blessing in God's presence here on this earth, but also the kingdom of heaven. Verse number 11, Jesus says, and this is Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted the prophets who were before you. Paul even took it a, a step further when he talks to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says, At my first offense, nobody stood with me, but all forsake me. But the Lord stood with me. You see, Paul was on trial for his life. Everybody deserted him, but God was there with him. It was in the midst of that suffering that he felt God's presence so close to him. Now, I think this is so important that we keep in the back of our minds that when we go through times of suffering for righteousness' sake, we experience God's presence. You know, one of the things I've seen about those who experience severe suffering, severe persecution, I think about a friend of mine, and I won't mention his name, but he was greatly persecuted for his faith in a country where it's illegal to preach the gospel, to believe the gospel, where it's even illegal to have a Bible. This man of God suffered great persecution. And you know what his tortures did? The first thing they did to him is they separated him from his family. They separated him from his business that was really a church, but he was under the guise of a business. They got him isolated. You know, isolation is a terrible form of punishment. Thankfully, this man was able to withstand that pressure of not only being isolated, but being persecuted because the Lord stood with him. I think that's what Paul was talking about when he's on trial for his life. Everybody deserted him, but God was there. God was in the midst of that suffering, and he felt God's presence so close to him. Now, I say this to say, well, don't isolate yourself from people, but there may come a time where you don't have the pastor to call. You don't have a small group leader to call, and you're in a position where you can't get a hold of anybody. Listen, God's with you in that time. So I want to encourage you, experience God's presence. That is one of the opportunities that we have when we go through times of suffering. Here's the second opportunity. We're able to tap into God's plan. Look at verse number 15. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or as a thief or as any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Now, Peter gives us four things that we may be suffering for. 
things that Christians should not be doing, and when they do them, they will suffer. He says, first of all, murder, right? Many came to Christ with a very bad background. Murder was a common way of settling differences in the New Testament times. Murderers deserve to be punished. Christians should not suffer as a murderer because Christians should not commit murder, but sometimes they do. Peter goes on to say, number two, don't suffer as a thief. Those who steal by fraud or in secret, thieves deserve to be punished. Christians should not suffer as a thief because Christians should not steal, but some do. Number three, don't suffer as a criminal. Now, some translations say as evildoers involved in criminal activity. Now, Christians should not suffer as criminals because we should not live a life of crime. As believers, we should be living a crime-free life, but some are criminals who are Christians. Peter says, don't suffer as a meddler. Now, that's a busybody. In the affairs of others, it means being an overseer of the things that are really of no concern to you. Christians should not suffer as meddlers because Christians should not meddle, but some do. As a matter of fact, Paul said to the Thessalonian believers, we hear that some that walk among you are walking disorderly and that they don't work at all, but they're busybodies. In other words, they're spending their time in the affairs of other people. And Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy 5.13, he says, besides they get into the habit of being idle and going from house to house, and they not only do this because they're idlers, but they're also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to say. You see, there is no merit in suffering when you deserve to suffer. <laughs> we use the phrase, do the crime, do the time. Now, don't miss this part. Part of God's plan involving righteous suffering for the unrighteous. When we suffer, we must make certain we are not suffering for the evil that we have done. You know, when you're suffering for righteousness' sake, we can cash in on this promise. My God will meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, God will provide for my needs. God will, not I will. God will provide. You know, suffering that is out of our control is never out of God's care. I can't meet all of your needs. I can't meet all of my family needs. I can't even meet all of my own needs, but God can. God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. When we're going through times of suffering, I think we sense that on a whole new level. All your needs. Now, not all my griefs, but all of my needs, everything that I need, he will take care of. And how does he do it? According to his riches. Not my resources, according to his riches. And how does he do it? In Christ Jesus. Not outside of Christ. It is found in Christ. You know, as the early church was formulating the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they came and they had a great multitude that was following them and, and they were really ticked off. These were not believers in Christ. These were the crowd of multitudes that were rejecting the gospel. And in Acts 14, it says they took Paul and they dragged him outside of the city and they stoned him. Now, now they thought he was dead. And uh, however, the disciples gathered around him and uh, when they gathered around him, uh, they thought they were going to bury him, but they found out he, he wasn't dead. And, and old Paul rose up, and he went back into that same city where they just stoned him. And the next day he goes with Barnabas and Derby, and 
and he preaches the gospel. And I, I don't know about you, but if you stone me in one city, if you stone me in Chesapeake, I'm not going back to Chesapeake for a while. Uh, but Paul, he just went back in there and he preached the gospel there. And, uh, and it says that the faith of those who were following Christ, their faith was strengthened. The souls of the disciples were strengthened. And he says, we must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. Paul reminds them, as you enter into tribulations, that's part of the entrance to the kingdom of God. We're not saved by tribulations, right? We're saved in tribulations. You see, when you think about the tribulations that we may face in this life, if we're suffering for righteousness' sake, there is an extra measure of grace that God gives us at that time. It ought to empower us. It ought to encourage us. Sometimes we go through difficult times and we don't understand all the ins and outs. Sometimes sin causes us to suffer. But even in that, God is gracious to us. I want to be like Moses of old. In Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of the heroes of the faith, it says, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ of greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. One of the reasons I think we have a hard time going through, and I don't think we face tribulation suffering right now. I think we're facing a soft form of persecution because we're going against the conventional wisdom of our culture. And as we think about that, God can give you the grace to go through that if we understand that the reproach of Christ is of greater value than the riches and the treasures of this earth. The question is, who do you want to think well of you? Do you want the praise of man or do you want the applause of heaven? I've convinced myself a long time ago that I'd much rather displease people and honor my God, then displease God and honor people. Now, not to be dishonorable to anybody. We're to respect all people. But there's going to be sometimes there are significant disagreements. And that's what, when we must stand up for the truth. Well, here's the third thing I want to cover, the third opportunity. Uh, and the first opportunity is, is when we are going through times of persecution we get to experience God's presence. Number two, we have the opportunity to, to tap into God's plan. Uh, we can see that God is working in the midst of our suffering. And then number three, we have this wonderful opportunity to identify with the pain that Christ endured for us. Verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Jesus said in John 16, 22, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you'll rejoice and, and no one will take away your joy. You know, I best connect with others when I can share in their joy and in their pain. I best connect with Jesus when I can share in his pain and his joy. This is the development of my maturity in Christ, experiencing being rejected because of righteousness' sake. In Hamburg, Germany, one day, there was a wonderful concert that was taking place. It was a concert in London. And the violinist was their Fritz Chrysler, had an hour before his boat sailed. He wandered into a music shop, and, and, and as he's there, the proprietor asked what he was looking for, and uh, he saw that he was carrying a beautiful violin. And then he vanished and returned with two policemen, and one of them took the violinist and says, You're under arrest. What for, says Chrysler. 
You have a Fritz Chrysler's violin. Well, that's who I am. You can't pull that off on us, came out the words from the officers. Well, as Chrysler's boat was sailing soon, there was no time for a prolonged explanation. So Chrysler asked if his violin could be played as a piece that he well knew, and then he played it. And as soon as they began hearing him play, they were convinced that he was indeed Fritz Chrysler. Under that intense persecution, he used his talents to prove who he was. You see, what plays out for you during times of suffering reveals in you why you are suffering, whether you're suffering for Christ or for yourself. You see, when you're under intense persecution and suffering, if you come out, then it's all about you. If Christ comes out, it's all about him. When you truly are suffering for Christ, you respond like Christ, and there is no mistake about who you identify with. The pain reveals the sincerity of your faith. If Jesus is in you, when you are squeezed, Jesus comes out. Oh, I want you to know, my friends, that when you go through times of suffering, it helps us to identify with the pain that Christ endured for us. There's something else that we have an opportunity to go through when we see times of suffering and experience times of suffering in our lives, is that we actually grow toward perfection. Let's look at verse number 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. You know, followers of Christ are sometimes disciplined to become more like Christ. That's why Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, That is why among you there are many who are weak and many who are sick and a number who have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Don't you love that? If we would judge ourselves, we don't have to worry about God judging us. When we are judged by the Lord, however, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with this world. You know, so many verses talk about growing toward perfection as believers in Christ. Paul wrote these words when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live now, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul encouraged the Roman believers when he said, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulation produces something. It produces patience. And patience produces experience. And experience produces hope. And hope doesn't make us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which he has given to us. You see, the Spirit of God works specially over time in our lives. When we're in that crucible of judgment, when God's putting that pressure on us, he's refining us, making us more like the Savior. Well, there's something else I see as an opportunity. When we are going through times of persecution, it gives us a wonderful opportunity to experience the presence of God in our lives, just to know that He's with us. It gives us an opportunity to tap into God's plan. We get to see life from a whole different perspective when we're suffering for righteousness' sake. And then it gives us a wonderful opportunity to identify with the pain of Christ. You know, when you really love somebody, you want to enter into that time of pain with them. I remember when my children were born, uh, as all five of them came in this world, I was with my wife for every one of our children, and I knew it was going to be a painful process for her. 
I knew it was going to be a painful thing for me to witness that, but I wanted to share that with her so that I could comfort her as she went through that time. And then we learned that we grow toward perfection as we go through these times of suffering. And I want to invite you to join me tomorrow as we look at two more opportunities that are given to us in our times of persecution. Well, thank you so much for listening today, and thank you for joining the broadcast today. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, and maybe it's not at the level of a tribulation, but you're going through a hard time. I'm going to pray that God will comfort you as only He can. So, Lord, I pray for every person who is listening to this broadcast right now. Maybe there's somebody who's lost somebody really close to them, and and they're suffering the grief that they're going through. Maybe somebody listening to me today has some kind of a health crisis in their life, and they need a touch from you. Lord, I pray that you touch them. Maybe there's somebody going through a financial setback. And so, Lord, I pray that you provide for their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray through all the ordeals that we go through that we will trust you, that we become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if I can pray for you, please send me a text, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the broadcast. Join us tomorrow for part two. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.